Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm also in the city of Chicago. That's very true. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission, Mission USA Productions. Hey, really, Jen? Yeah. You know, Glenn, the thing about my artistic platform is sometimes I have to challenge people. Wow. People like people like you, Glenn. Right. To challenge you, I have to challenge your assumptions about what art or a very brief introductory interstitial on a podcast can be. Right. I'm an iconoclast. That's the key thing. Sure. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I just classed your icons. You're welcome. <laughs> Moving on. Also joining us, one of the pastors from Crash Media Church, No Christian Tennessee, Lee Younger. I never classed any icons. I, and also, I'm not sure that, that that sounds dirty to me, and I feel a little worried. <laughs> That's why I said moving on, and then quickly changed the subject. Thanks for doubling back, Glenn. Is that, does that have to do with like a semicolon? Because that always sounded dirty to me. Also, sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah. You weren't the you weren't the easiest child to teach English to, were you, Glenn? Yeah, no, I was a little bit judgmental about some of the things I would hear. <laughs> you know, I I would dangling participle. Wait a second. You know, a lot of that kind of thing. The diphthong song. Yeah, exactly. I heard Cisco saying that. Yes, if you love spiritual wisdom, grammar jokes, and apparently late 90s hip-hop references, this is the show for you, apparently. (laughs) But... Dude, the diphthong song is gold. You know what? I, I... I don't want to, but I have to. I have to give you credit for the dip bombs song. That's, that's also that's tight. Yeah. a reason to be thankful that Schoolhouse Rock isn't still around. Because <laughs> that would have happened. And the animation would have been uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. No. There's things okay. that are not being said currently. Oh, yep. yeah. And let's keep that trend going. Uh, our faithful listeners, if you're wondering, this is the second episode we did tonight. <laughs> yeah, we got a little late start, a little punch drunk, but <laughs> that will not stop us from declaring an emergency. Emergency! Speaking of using your artistic platform to challenge genres while redefining them, we've had some movement on the Christian movie front. Indeed, we have. Mm. Now you may now, recall. When you say movement, go, you you go and finish that thought. <laughs> no, no, just uh, <laughs> what? What do you mean, Glenn? What are you angling towards? What are you moving at there? Um, here, here's what it is. People occasionally say, "You know what? I'm going to write a little note to these fellows and tell them, easy now. Yep. Here's what you need to know. Our wives have got it. Yeah, yeah we know. That. I have meetings." We go over things. It's covered. I don't even have wife. Somehow I still get dragged into meetings. Sure. On this so, podcast. Here, <laughs> we're, we're children. Here's we're the children. thing is, yeah. uh, so I just, I'm, I'm trying to not have a meeting. Sure. We're, we're children who've been kept up past their bedtime and pumped full of Mountain Dew. That's what we are. <laughs> but <laughs> we're also the visionaries who are going to fix the Christian movie industry. Oh, boy. That so, seems like uh, a job only we could do. You yep. may have heard some discussion on this show before. About the God's Not Dead franchise. Wow. Now there's a second one. $70 million. That's a lot of dollars. That is a lot of dollars. And we, we tried to watch the God's Not Dead, three of us up here in Chicago with our various group of miscreant friends. We tried. We didn't make it all the way through. No, about no, halfway and gave up. But we did feel that halfway through gave us a better understanding of what was going on in this movie. Right. And some ways that we might improve it. Yep. Right. We pitched a uh, an evil duck antagonist. Sure. Yeah. Yep. I believe that was Captain Quackers. The... <laughs> was that like a Duck Dynasty thing? Yeah, because Duck Dynasty is in the first movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah an evil duck. Yeah, it's in. an atheist duck, though. When he's yeah. he's itching for revenge or Obviously. something. Yeah. Like yes, that, it's, right? it's the evil Doctor Quackers who is clad in tweed and thinks he's better than you. Yeah, <laughs> right. with this book learning. Yes, mm. which we had our friend uh, Jenny point out on Twitter when she saw the uh, the Photoshop. I'm about to we're about to talk into here that she thought it, the only flaw it had was missing some Doctor Quackers. Yeah, right. which is criticism we received and agree with. 
so we 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 pitch a number of things, some cameos, some the crossovers are big, the superhero movies are big. Yeah, right. We've got Hercules. We mm. felt they kind of wasted having Professor TV's Hercules. Kevin Sorbo. TV's mm. Kevin Sorbo in a non superheroic uh, kind of context there. So we love the superheroes. We love the wordplay. Yep. So we thought, I believe this was Jed came up with this. God's not Deadpool. Yeah. Wait a second. Jed didn't come up with that. I that, actually who's did. When did you come up with it? On the Twitter. <laughs> yeah, this this all happened on the Twitters. If you if you don't follow us on the Twitters, you should. It's just at our names. It's good stuff. I don't I don't really read the Twitter. Yeah. You responded to these tweets. Yeah. I yeah. didn't did you make that up? I did. Okay, I I've, I've, I've tracked it. Here we go. So we had our friend Kathleen tweeted in to tell us that God's Not Dead was premiering. God's right. Not Dead 2 was premiering. Right. And Which wondering is, if we had anything never happen. Yeah. I then sent her a screenshot that my friend Charlie sent uh, Lee and I with just the God's Not Dead poster and underneath it, Pure Flix presents Emergency. Right. Which I is delightful. I see that. That's funny. That was, that's because you don't get texts that are sent to me. Oh. Uh, Do you? No, I haven't read over the employment contract let, in a while. Let's yeah, say really no. <laughs> so go on. We get that. Such a and great then, moment. to give credit where it's due, Glenn kicked us off down this path with the genius idea of maybe the way we should deal with God's Not Dead 2 coming out is to go to the theater yeah. and misdirect people to the theater that's showing Deadpool. Yep, right. When they buy that, to which... Jed Be- because pointed out, I pointed out that it's a much more realistic movie. Absolutely. And I, I have the quote, I have the tweet right here. Maybe switch the sides and send them to Deadpool. It's more believable and edifying. That's, yeah. Having seen the movie twice, I can say that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I would, and then Jed really kicked us off now by saying, I would pay almost any amount of money for the mashup, God's Not Deadpool. Yeah, there you go. Good. And then Jake somebody, who's to say who? Yeah. Who has Wednesdays off. <laughs> Maybe was feeling a little stir crazy. <laughs> may have photoshopped the God's Not Deadpool uh, trailer, which is a work of genius. Yeah, the poster, which you can see at all. I think we've already tweeted at this point. You can find it on my Twitter at Matt Kinger, and it's literally just. Uh, so they did some poster of the God's Not Dead, and it's half TV's Kevin Sorbo's face and half the Johnny McWhitebread kid with the thing. So uh, I just we just put Deadpool in over him, and I think we've already improved this project. A yeah, percent. yeah, yeah, that's genius, right? But. We're, we're at the brainstorming phase. I come to the brain trust because you guys are better at this than anyone. So we have a title. We have a splash page. We've got a pitch. Mm-hmm. I think in the in, over the next kind of five minutes we have here, we need to flesh out the bones of this story. Okay. Wow. Right, right. Uh, well, I, and I think progressing from, you know, general concept and movie poster we ought to you know we ought to go to the trailer okay sure sure know, so we could start there so what, what that, that is very movies suburb that's a, yeah see we're we're that, most of the way done that right is there. the way movies are made now yeah. i have a title i have a poster i have a trailer absolutely here's 300 million dollars <laughs> <laughs> well one i mean one assumes that deadpool wants to better himself by going to college that's right and getting nice. an education right but then he's forced to take freshman philosophy. Okay. Right. Where an evil professor, played by TV's Kevin Sorbo, obviously wants him to sign a pledge stating that there is no God. And then at some point, Kevin Sorbo rips his shirt off, right, and attempts to use his super strength. Yes, to based on his Greek heritage, right, to <laughs> attack uh, Deadpool, right. Right. Yes. So then you got you got a battle royale. Deadpool versus Hercules. Essentially. Yeah. Well, I think we can kick that up a notch. I like it. Now, as we may know, because even though we didn't finish watching God's Not Dead, (laughs) our friend Woody did uh, Wikipedia the plot because he had to know how all these threads came together. Not well. That's the key. Not well. But evil professor, played by TV's Kevin Sorbo, is shot at a Newsboys concert. And Spoiler has a, alert! And has no. a deathbed change of heart. Okay. So Whoa. we leave right. God's oh, Not Dead sorry. 1 with TV Kevin Sorbo very much not amongst the living. Okay. Now, oh, okay. Lesser, minds, lesser minds would say that that presents a problem. Right. Where the not creative really. sees nothing but opportunity. Tell right. us. Because you guys may not know this because you're not horrific nerds in the way I am. Some of us have read some Deadpool comics uh-huh. and know that a couple of guys had a very 
a successful Deadpool run about Deadpool having to kill zombie presidents. That's right. We're coming back from the dead. Yes. Right? I'm telling you, Deadpool versus zombie Professor Hercules. Hello. Oh, my gosh. You got a go picture, yeah, Kinger. Yeah, go picture. That's a green light right and, there, baby. Yeah. I, and I'm going to give you something for our, uh, our kind of maybe uh, more politically conservative friends who don't like certain things about university. The university can't fire him because even though he's a zombie, he's got tenure. Yeah. Wow. Sure. Yeah. Atheist zombie professor. With tenure. With tenure, making them children. And he, he knows it's a lie. He's been dead. He's seen the light, but he's still making them write books about how he, it's not true. He's the he's the walking undead. He's got tenure. This Tie could, in. This could go on forever. Yeah, exactly right. There you, you go. We get we get zombie Kevin Sorbo a little a little uh cameo on the walking dead, and you got marketing on top of marketing. Yeah. What are we well, gonna here's, do? Go ahead, Lee. Well, here's what I'm saying is you get to the you know, you get to the final kind of fight scene, right? All and right. And zombie Professor Hercules has figured out a way to take away Deadpool's powers. Right. Which is, you know, you've got to neutralize the superhero's powers at some point, kind of a kryptonite-style deal. But if Deadpool finally accepts the Lord, then the Holy Spirit imbues him with Samson-like strength, yeah. and it's back on for the final battle. Yeah, that's it. That's a Christian movie I would watch. That's pretty cool. That's fantastic. Here's my question. Please. What are we going to do with all the cash? Mm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because we are going to be rich. Loaded. Okay. So let's prepare for that. Yeah. I want a podcast microphone made of solid gold. I I think we can do that. Joe. Can we do that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've said, I think people have already done that. <laughs> I have said this before. As an actual fact, I have said this before. Yeah. And I will say it again. Gold bidet. <laughs> <laughs> and if you think I'm kidding, that'd be the first thing I'd buy, right? Do you there. mean it's made of gold or it dispenses? You know what? Never mind. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Gold. Gold. It's gold. So we're gonna go. So we're gonna make the greatest Christian movie ever made. No matter. And then it sounds like you guys. It sounds like you two are one step away from going full Trump. Oh yeah. Oh, just yeah. as soon as you got the money, just gold plated. You got to put your name on everything. Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, right. the microphone will be made of solid gold, and it'll say Jed in sure. huge block letters. Yeah. I, I look forward to staying as an overpriced hotel room at the Glen Towers. Yeah. It, like the bottled water is like $80 an ounce. <laughs> but it's got gold it's in it. Oh, it's, it's got gold fleck. Yeah. got flecks of real gold in it. And then when it's coming out the other end, see? That's <laughs> oh like my word. I can't. double bonus it's right there. so close to avoiding the meeting. And Dude, now and I'm, I'm going to be deep in Someone the Someone declare emergency off. Do it right now. I hereby declare emergency off. And not a moment too soon. Thanks, Glenn. Uh, that's gonna be it's gonna be a rough meeting in a couple weeks for all of you us. You know, it was like I could I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. I'm like, I'm gonna make it, y'all. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. <laughs> and then you didn't. And then I didn't make yeah. it. It's a shoestring tackle at the end. It's like exactly. we were all about to exactly. cross the finish line of this yeah. marathon together. Yes. And Glenn decided, what if I just kick them all in the ankles? Uh, Let's just see what happens. I mean, it was just I mean, it was just right there in front of me, you know, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't. Do you, th- do you think your problem is you fear success, Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> Self-sabotaging behavior. Well, it, it could be that, or it, it could be that I'm, I am, I am just a scoundrel. Sure, or is it that you plan on doing something in the next couple of weeks that will be even worse than that, and you're hoping the meeting is about podcasting? Well, that that would be that That's would be strategic. a nice. That's just that good strategy. So. We obviously the God's not Deadpool zombie versus uh, Deadpool versus zombie Hercules is uh, the Kickstarter will be up any day now. Professor right. Zombie Hercules. Professor Zombie Hercules. You know, it's, it's, we're, it's gonna ha- we're gonna have to get big posters, folks. Yes, yeah, right. For a big picture. Right. But until then, if you want to get on the ground seed, get ground floor, get a little seed money going, you can always sign up for Bridgebox. Boom. And not only will we eventually be almost certainly financing major Hollywood pictures about superheroes. Killing zombie atheist professors. <laughs> way more, way that. more believable and realistic than the actual God's Not Dead too. Yeah, because I won't spend 20 minutes screaming at the screen, just drop the class! <laughs> there are so many classes! <laughs> yeah. Or, this would never happen in actual real life. What is wrong with the people who wrote this? This yeah. is a chain letter turned into a movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow, for the that's, win. Yeah. That's well okay, done. so that's for the win, right? Yeah. There. You know what? 
that that's the, that's a brilliant mind that contributes things to Bridgebox. That's, that's right. all the Bridgebox picks I need. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox, $8 a month. A lot of cool stuff yourself and fun, really good inner city ministry. All right, we're going to move on to our first question here. Yay. Comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. If you have a question for us, hang out with us all the way to the end, and I'll give you some ways to get in touch. It says, I'm in a small group of my church. The people are really nice, and the lessons we do are interesting, and I learn stuff, but it really, but I don't really feel like it's having a huge impact on me. How do I invest into this in a way that I really get the most out of it? And Jed, why don't you start us off? Sure thing. Uh, great to hear from you. Thanks for writing into us. So a shift that's kind of happened in the church in the last mm, probably 20, 25 years has been to where people focus on going through the Bible in a linear way. You say, mm-hmm. we're going to tackle the book of Galatians, and we're going to, you know, this week we're taking these two verses, and we're really dig into them and really get after it, and just what all does it mean and whatnot. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's fine. There's, there's no problem with that. But it's pretty bookish. I mean, it's it's pretty academic, and it's not likely to have as much, as you're saying, impact on you. You know, again, it's it's good to, to know the Bible and have an in-depth understanding. But what you'd probably get a bit more out of is what people used to refer to as life application. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's really the, the thing where the, the idea is, here's a struggle that I have. You say I'm struggling with impatience. What does the Bible say about impatience, just mm-hmm. generally? What are kind of the key takeaways that it has? And let's get into those. Let's find those passages. Let's talk about what that means for my life, what that means for understanding the struggle and dealing with the struggle. So... One thing I'd encourage you to do if you really like the small group and the people in it is to maybe talk to the person, people that run it and say, could we try for a few weeks doing more of a life application thing? You know, we, we can come back to Leviticus or Ezekiel or whatever we're doing, but could we try, here's a struggle I have. Maybe that's impatience or doubt or shame or something. Could we try a couple weeks and, and do a life application study on that? See what the Bible has to say about that struggle. I bet you get a lot more out of that. And I bet they actually would too. I think, right. I think people generally would, would enjoy that a whole lot more. And if you pitch that to the person or the people that are leading the small group, and they go, yeah, we're, we're definitely not going to do that. Well, then that lets you know where things are at, and maybe it's time to look at other options. But it, it can't hurt to at least float it out there. This would be helpful to me. What do you say? That's absolutely right. And I would point out that there is, as we talk about a lot on the show, some middle ground stuff there. There's a possible way to say if you're doing, especially if you're doing like a, a it's a little hard with some Old Testament stuff. If you're doing like, you're walking through the book of Romans or Ephesians, you can even say, hey, what if we did some discussion questions? What if we tried to point that? Sure, right. There's a right. way to do a walking through the Bible kind of thing that has life application stuff, but it takes a little more work. Uh-huh. And you have to be, as Jed's saying here, you have to be a little vocal if that's what you want if you're asking someone to put in more work to be more effective. So, Glenn, how would you help us out on this? Yeah, I think life application is is, is pretty essential. You, you want to get as much Bible aptitude as you can into anything. You know, sure. it's, all, it's all important. Uh, you want to in- encourage people to do that. And yes, there is a time for this is just, we're trying to get Bible facts into our brain kind of a thing. Uh, but ultimately, as Matt's pointing out, and rightly so, it's it doesn't have to be an either-or kind sure. of thing. We can, we can cover both. I think a key along those lines is a- encouraging an environment where you can be more raw and honest. Totally, yes. totally. Uh, if you're if spilling your guts and talking about your real stuff, then... It's going to feel real. It's going to have an impact on you, whatever have yeah. you. You know, uh, and that can be. You know, we're going to study this thing for an hour. Then we're going to talk for fifteen minutes about, you know, how some detail of this applies to a struggle that each of us has. Something like that. Sure. Uh, it, it's easy enough to do that. I think you, even if you're only going to do Bible stuff and nothing else. You can even just do prayer requests at the end. Everybody right. do a 10-minute or 5-minute or whatever uh, uh, check-in. W- what was your week like? What's going on with you? How can we pray for you? But 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 give us your guts. Tell us what's really going on with you. Uh, all of that will get you into deeper, meaningful relationships, deeper conversations, deeper bonds with people, and you'll find that fellowship start to flow and connecting the the word to all of that will be a lot easier. Yeah. And really that speaks to how to start to leak in these moments of honesty. I think vulnerability be another mm-hmm. good word. That's really looking for mm-hmm. maybe Lee you can talk to us about how to start fostering that. Yeah, so I think that one of the things that and I love where 
these guys are both coming from with the, the, the way to make the content more, um, you know, more personal and the way to make, uh, the way to the, make the, you know, the, the scope of the, the big group more personal. And when it comes down to it for you, if the, the way that you're going to start to get personally more out of it is if you are vulnerable about your stuff, you know, if you ha- are able to trust people in the room and you lead out the attitude of the room on, I'm going to trust you guys and I'm going to kind of go out first and say, I'm really having a hard time. Could somebody, you know, pray for me or does anybody else deal with this? Um, one of the most, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who he came to the, know the Lord later in his life and he was in a, he was in like a college small group and they ca- got to a part in the college, in the small group where somebody said, all right, well, let's take prayer requests. And somebody raised their hand and said, well, I have an unspoken prayer request. And, uh, and people who have been raised in church, you have no, you know, that, that doesn't, you know, move your needle at all because you've heard people talk that your whole life that way. But this dude was like, I'm sorry, what did you say? An unspoken prayer request? Well, I'm leaving the group. Because uh, if you if you can't say what your prayer request is, then is that the is that the the temperature of this thing? We just don't even we don't even need to talk about our lives at all. And so he was like, "I'm going to go find a different group to talk to." If we have uns is uns is that a Christian thing? Do Christians do that? <laughs> Unspoken prayer requests, you know. And so I think one of the things is be honest about yourself, be vulnerable. Uh, one sucky thing that can tend to happen in a small group, and if you find this. Uh, people don't always know they're doing it, but, but try to kind of get a tractor beam out there and rein it back in, even if you're not the leader, is that people will take, uh, you, you know, when, when the, the scripture that they're studying or the words of Jesus or something gets too hot or too close to home, they will pull out a, uh, a deflection card by bringing everything out into a theoretical realm. Yeah. Well, that sounds well and good, but what if I have ISIS show up at my door to cut my children's head off? <laughs> you know, and, and, and I, that sounds really, that sounds kind of funny, but people really do talk that way in small groups. They, yeah. you know, but, but what if I find out tomorrow that I have seven types of cancer? Are you going to say that same thing to me? You know, kind of deal. And it's, and it's, it's like, well, that's not what you're going through, nor have you ever been in anything like that. So now we're in theory. So mm-hmm. if you're in a hypothetical, um, you know, if we're in hypothetical theories, now we're not it's the opposite of what Glenn's talking about, that honesty, the the rawness and stuff like that. And, you know, and, and push back on people and see if, if anybody's willing to kind of hold the mirror up. If you ever get in a chance to get a chance to kind of lead a group like this, one of the things that, that I can say, suggest it's a real simple way to do exactly what Glenn's talking about is you just start the meeting out by asking people for their highs and lows of the week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if it feels like, uh, I've got a really good friend who, uh, when he's with high school kids, he starts out a meeting by saying highs and lows when he's with adults, he'll do the same thing, but he'll, but he'll first show them the passage in Genesis 32, where Jacob wrestled with God all night long, you know, and then he'll say, and then he'll say, you know, we'll look at this passage. And he says, now, where are you wrestling with God? And where do you feel blessed by God? Cause both of those things happen in that passage. Well, it's just a very Bible-y way of doing the exact yeah. same thing. What are your highs and lows? And so it's a, it's a cool way to, uh, just to get people to talk about their stuff. And, and it brings that, that kind of attitude that hopefully drives towards the content that both of these guys are talking about. One quick thing, I don't think this is what you're dealing with, but just in case, your last sentence of your question, you say, how do I invest in this to really get the most out of it? Just in case, there's an attitude in a lot of large membership churches right now um, uh, where they, when they don't like the results, the leadership of the church, when they don't like the results they're getting, they tell people, you need to invest more. You need to be more committed. You need mm. to be more hardcore. You're lazy. You need to be more sold out. And the thing is, if people, whether it's, and they do that in small groups too, whether it's the church on Sunday morning or small group, if it's not vulnerable and it's not real and it's not authentic and there's nothing about your life being brought out of the Bible, there's no amount of committed or hardcore that you can be that's going to make that helpful to you. Right, right. Um, And the reason we're saying that out loud is if you go to that kind of church, they're not telling you that. 
Right. Um, right. You know, um, there we have been in churches on Sunday morning where the dude on the mic is yelling at the congregation. Sure. You know, you, you guys just need to be more hardcore. You need to be more committed. And this is the thing. I, I'm keen on your word invest. Um, right. I, I assume what you mean is just, you know, how do I get something out of this? But if what you mean is from that platform of how do I be more hardcore and committed and then the blessings will flow, it, it doesn't work that way. There's, there's right. no amount of commitment that makes a non-vulnerable, non-authentic, non-life real life application focused thing be something that really, really helps and engages you. Well, and along the lines of what you're saying, it's not unusual for us to see pastors uh, or churches, whatever, getting into a mindset of almost blaming the victim. If, yeah. if you, if you're not getting something out of it, that's because there's something wrong with you. Yeah. We hear that and, a lot, actually. And here's the thing. No, it's because this small group format yeah. really sucks that you came up with, <laughs> yeah. and we've, you need to fix it. We've yeah. spent the last six months going through Ezekiel, right. um, not talking about anybody's issues, right. having a hundred unspoken prayer requests, right. and leaving. Right. There's there's no way for that to be a blessing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. right. That's right. That's all really good stuff. Right. move on to our next question here. This actually came to Glenn's blog. It mm. is very popular. Oh, that's, that's what I hear. That's uh, that's a nice thing to say. I hear that. I really hear that quite often. It's it's also true. It's hard to remember sure. from nice where thing. I hear that so often. <laughs> I don't know. But you can go on there to UncleGlenn.com. This came in, but we know it's from a podcast listener, so we, uh, we're going to double use it here. It says, so I volunteer with a ministry that reaches out to sex workers, and we went to the strip club yesterday to do the ministry. Yes. That's not that's like right. no, it's not, it's not like a team building exercise. And, that, and this is a female person yes. writing this down. That, otherwise, that would be bad ministry strategy. That's correct. It was a little overwhelming, and we went in, and we were very well received. We were able to give the manager a gift, and he allowed us to go into the changing rooms to meet the girls. The girls loved the gifts we gave them as well, and we had a nice little greeting and chat. I was really worried that I may say or do the wrong thing. I feel like this can, this can really hold me back from truly focusing on loving and listening. How do I stop thinking about... Me. All right. So we're going to kick us off here. Now, obviously, amazing ministry. Yes. Coolest thing any of us right. have ever heard of. And we hear about okay. all the cool ministries. Yep. Um, but I like this idea, this question kind of at the end, that, of, that we can focus this on in any other situation of, okay, so I'm going to do a ministry in this weird situation. That could be the strip club. That could be high school. It'd be a jail ministry. How do I get my stuff out of the way and really focus on helping the people out? Well, yeah, I think here's the thing. We actually hear this a lot from from pastors. You know, we we have this uh, sense of well, if I'm going to be preaching, if I'm going to be witnessing to people, if I'm going to be doing any kind of ministry, these are the all important sacred words of God, and they must be delivered in this scientifically accurate way, so it's perfectly calibrated to the holiness of the. It's it's <laughs> not like that. A lot of people work for the High Church of England. That's yeah, exactly. You know, that's this is that's not what we need to do. Here's the funny thing, and this really is odd, and it sounds counterintuitive, but it is super true. The best way to get yourself out of the way and not focus on yourself, which is what you're saying is your goal, and 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 of course I believe you. The best way to not focus on yourself is to be yourself. Yeah. Again, that sounds odd, that sounds counterintuitive, but if you are simply being who you are, if you are just presenting yourself to these ladies exactly as you are the rest of your life, then you're not concentrating on you at all, mm -hmm. if you see what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to act Christian when you're around them, you're focusing on the act. You're not focusing on them. And so... The focus stays on you, and that breaks down the whole ministry stuff. The ministry stuff is what's going on with you, what's happening with you, what are your struggles, what, how can I help you, how can I serve you, all of that kind of stuff. So uh, the best way to do that is to simply uh, not put on an act. And it's very hard for us, uh, for some of us, uh, because... When we're in church, it's all an act. You're you're putting your best foot forward is is maybe a more polite way of putting that. Uh, but you will put that best foot forward even when it is a total deception and completely unlike who you are and what you feel. Yeah, so yeah. that rhymes with lie. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's it, you get so used to acting and you think, well, this is I have to act on top of acting or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Throw all that out. Be yourself. If you're, as I, as I mentioned in my, my post on this thing, if you are the kind of person that thinks it's awesome to go and talk to strippers in a strip club about Jesus, you 
just be you yep. because right. you are awesome. Yep. Right. Just the way you are. You don't need to act any way different from who you are because that's that's just awesome. Yep. It's not often we get jealous. That made us jealous when we were reading about this. Like, dang, that's yeah. cool. You, you know, from like, the ministry aspect. That's yep, right. People. That's right. Yeah, that's you can't, give, can't give them an inch. That, that's exactly right. Uh, real quickly, though, um, here's a, the other quick thing I would tack on to the end of that. People, we're talking about being yourself, right? Here's the other thing behind that, is if you're acting Christian, they can tell the part that's an act. Yep, right. They can tell what's real and what's not. So that act is not working over the long run, and it's not worth doing, so yep. don't do it at yep. all. If I ask you, you know, uh, who do you know that's in your life that, that you consider a humble person? Uh, who do you know that, that you think of as a generous person or whatever those things are? You can... I, you can get a sense in your mind of who those people are, not necessarily tied to something they did or said or whatever. It's just who they are. Yeah. It's just, you can just tell that's how they are. If you come in to a, an environment where you're witnessing to people and you're, and you're giving them a gift and you're giving them a big smile and you're saying, Hey, God bless you. Welcome. You just want to give you this and tell you we're here for you. If you ever need to talk to anybody, we're here for you. No judgments, no nothing. We just want to encourage you and, and, and give you a smile and give you a nice gift and let you know we're here for you. If you come in and say that, it's not going to offend anyone, but you know they're, they're, they're not going to look at you and say, that's a big jerk right yeah. there. So what kind <laughs> of a jerk face is coming? You know what I mean? Yeah. There's nothing to worry about yeah. in terms of how you're coming off. I think it's a really good point. It's a really fantastic way to start here. I'm part of being the the idea of be yourself because that takes off the amount of work your brain needs to think right. about. I'm just going to yeah. be myself and not think about acting that. Another to go on that same road is, especially when we're starting off, you're doing a new ministry, something like that, stick to the basics. We're not mm-hmm. looking to unwrap you know, yeah. the mysteries of the Bible or the disciple. We're not... We're not even to discipleship yet. We're looking to go and be nice and keep it to the basic basics. And Lee, maybe you can walk through that. Yeah, I think one of the things that we've got to realize about uh, specifically this ministry environment that you're talking about, and and really uh, most environments, is that when you're doing outreach, the thing that hangs people up so much is that whether they got it from watching uh, super uncool Christians or just whatever their idea about God is, the thing that the the thing that they would love to believe if they could let themselves believe it is the idea that God loves them for who they are and would accept them. Um, and so, the, you know, just the very, very bare bones basics of God loves you. He uh, he has something for you. He accepts you. I love you. And we're not here to judge you. We're just here to give you a hug and pray for you and talk with you. That kind, the, the basics of the forgiveness, the grace, the acceptance, the love of God. This is the stuff that's hanging people up. And it's the stuff that people want to know about God. This is the good news, in other yeah. words. So this is the good news that we have. It's the and it's and when people have a bad taste in their mouth about the idea of knowing God, usually it's because they did meet some jerk who misrepresented the acceptance, yeah. the forgiveness, the good news of the God that we do know. And so you know, our job is really just to clear that up. But any kind of outreach ministry, really, the the you know, a huge part of it is just getting people used to the idea that, man, if you knew how much God loves you, you would be super excited about hanging out with Him. If you knew how much He wants to hang out with you, you would want to. I've got good news for you. The other thing I would say, real specifically, uh, uh, you know, on the side of the keeping it super basic with all the acceptance and love and grace and forgiveness. It's just the idea of just kind of a tip, but like if you have a kind of a master Yoda type person who's been doing this ministry for a while, insist that you're going to ride shotgun with that person to and from mm-hmm. the ministry and get in their back pocket as much as possible. When you leave the, you know, when you when you leave the the club and you're heading back to the church or to your house or whatever, um just just pepper that person with questions. Okay, now the way that you talk to this gal over here, I noticed that you started out by saying this thing. I want to know everything about why that was. Mm. G- give me the give me the background on why you did that. Um, you know, I, I've had a, I've had a privilege of of being trained hands on in all the aspects of my ministry by the guys that 
the guys that raised me up. And, uh, and, and I always want to sit shotgun in the car to and from and ask them a million questions. How did you learn that? I noticed that when we counseled that dude, the first thing you did was you asked him uh, uh, about something about his job. Why did you do that? You know, what, what, what was the deal with that? Or when I'm in Chicago and I'm going to the bridge, uh, you know, a, a lot of times that I've done that through the years, I've ridden with Glenn over to the bridge and I'm asking him questions, you know, because I want to do this thing well, I, I, you know, and so find that person and just stick in their back pocket, ask them all the questions you can. That's really, really, that's actually very, very good advice. And one of the things that applies in all situations, no matter how simple you think the thing you're doing is, there's always stuff to learn. And it's always good to keep it basic. And Jed, maybe we can get you to pick up on one of the things that really amplifies the advice that Glenn and Lee have given here about, you know, going with the heart, going, keeping it basic, focus on them, is you're afraid of saying the wrong thing, which you can't let that fear cripple you. But here's here's the good news on that. You will say the wrong thing. Yep. Especially if you're in a very specific environment, you will make some reference. You will toss something off, toss something out there that's not going to go well. Yep. Not from malice. You didn't know, but in that moment, if you've done all these things right, you'll be surprised at how much rope you get. I think absolutely. So absolutely. maybe you could talk to us a little bit about that. How to recover? Sure. I said the wrong thing. Now what? Sure, absolutely. Well, it bears repeating. You will say or do the wrong thing. That's sure. a guarantee. You're a human being. I um, didn't know this was a gang sign. I thought it was all about rock and roll, man. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Real I, thing that Jed did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, here's the thing. You are in cross-cultural ministry. Right. Um, yeah. Sex work has its own culture. You mm-hmm. are not of that culture. Right. So um, uh, you, would do, you would say or do the wrong thing even if you were doing ministry in the same culture. You right. will definitely say or do the wrong thing in cross-cultural ministry. That's, yeah, that's you'll make some assumption that turns out to be wrong. And... Exactly right, exactly right. The thing, so that's a guarantee. The, the thing, and I have done that plenty, and actually so has every person on this podcast. Absolutely yeah. right. Um, the thing that you want to know in that, in that moment, as Matt's saying, is how do I recover? You know, what, you know is this mm-hmm. a big deal or not? Well, this is the thing. There's a saying in the inner city, um, and the saying is, what comes from the heart goes to the heart. When you come with a heart of love and you act from that heart and you speak from that heart, it goes to the hearts of the people you're working with. They get that. They see that. They feel that. And as the Bible puts the same concept, love covers over a multitude of sins. That's right. When people know that you love them and you're there because you love them and you're there because you accept them, they are willing to cut you a lot of slack. They they are willing to cut you um, just a lot of leeway and whatnot. Now, the honestly, the absolute worst case is somebody kind of takes you says, "Hey, let me talk to you for a second. Hey, I know you didn't mean anything like it, but Mm. you know when you said X Y Z, it sounds like A B C. We know you don't mean that, but just just so you know for the future, that's honestly the worst case scenario. Right. That's right. If you've come in with a respectful and good attitude, if you've come in like you're big Papa and you say the wrong thing, that conversation goes quite differently. Yeah, that's exactly right. But for you, and we're so proud of you, it just, it bears repeating. You're just doing amazing stuff. If you come in with that heart, you come with that respect, that gentleness, that love, Mm -hmm. which is stuff you should be doing in any ministry situation, people will know you're Mm -hmm. not coming from a place of judgment or anything else, you know, and they're happy to, to cut you some slack and whatnot. So, as Glenn's saying, put that in your back pocket and yeah. take all that focus off of you and just be there for that other person. Yeah. Um, just, just love on them. Uh, you know, they say with pizza, even when it's bad pizza, it's still pretty good because it's pizza. Mm-hmm. Even bad encouragement is still pretty good. Yeah. You know, even, yeah. b- even bad, even poorly executed love and acceptance is still pretty good. Oh, yeah. um, you know, yeah. on, on your worst days, if you're coming with the love and acceptance and encouragement that Jesus has in his heart for these ladies, they will be glad to see you. Every single time. Oh, yeah. There, there's a lot of people who are dying just to be, for someone to listen to them as far as yeah. that goes. I mean, it's, yeah, it's very simple stuff. That really is true. And one of the things you'll find as you kind of, whether it's in, again, whether it's in the environment as extreme as what our friend's doing here, whether it's, you know, sitting with the, the kid at the middle school lunch table, whether it's just at the old folks' home or whatever, if you come in with that right attitude, you will get a lot of slack. You, people yeah. understand, especially if you're in an incredibly underserved ministry environment, yeah. which is pretty much anything other than white people in the suburbs who make six-figure incomes. If you're in an underserved ministry environment, you get a fair amount of credit for showing up. Yeah. Eventually, you got to do something with that, especially if you're in kind of a least of these inner city thing. But also, one of the things I'll speak to here when you say, I'm afraid of doing or saying the wrong thing. Been there, totally understand. Basically, a lot of that stuff would come from the idea of you're coming into a situation where, again, whether that's strippers or kids or prisoners or whatever, 
people assume people are going to assume you have prejudged them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you can never do too much, and as we do at the bridge, is say out loud, "No one is judging you." Yeah. I am not judging you. Yep. I am yep. not looking down on you. Because yep. if you said that enough, when you say the stupid thing that sounds a lot like you're looking down on them, <laughs> yeah. They will know, or the person next to them will know. Oh no, she doesn't. She that's not what she means. That way, yeah. She doesn't look down yeah. on us. She told us. Yeah. And that's another, as far that's as. That saved my butt more times yeah. than I can tell you. As far as basics go, don't have a positive thought you don't say out loud. Yeah, that's absolutely mm-hmm. If right. your thought is, we're, we're coming here because we love you and we want you to know that Jesus loves you, say that out loud mm-hmm. like a whole bunch. Yeah. yeah. If you say, hey, I know people look at you weird, but it's not like that. We're just here. Say that out loud. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. let things go unspoken because that's where the cross-cultural stuff can become a hindrance if you say, well, I look, I got my car, I drove down here on w- whatever night and brought them cookies. Of course they know I'm not looking down on them. I don't do that for people I look mm-hmm. down on. Makes a lot yeah. of sense, but when you're dealing with someone's woundedness and insecurity, if you don't say it out mm-hmm. loud, their assumptions yep. can go mm-hmm. in a lot of weird ways. Yep. And again, talk about on this episode, we talked about the last episode of prison ministry stuff. This is stuff that applies across the board. Really, anytime you're doing ministry or encouragement or just talking to a friend, that applies. You can't say the positive stuff too much. Yeah. Remember our final question here? It comes in anonymously with our Tumblr inbox, and it says, what's the deal with, quote, religious liberty, unquote? I hear about these laws being passed in states, and they sound really uncool and just kind of mean, but people keep saying religious liberty is at stake. Is it really that big a deal? So as we before I throw this to the guys, I will give a little background, particularly for our international listeners. So in a couple of American states, there have been uh, laws passed specifically recently. One that was passed in a state and one that was uh, shot down because a lot of major corporations called the governor and said, we will not be doing business in your place if we do this. <laughs> um, so they're big, kind of these big package laws. The way American government works is you can have a bill that can have just tons of stuff crammed in it, which may not, you know, the thing in part A may not have anything to do with the part thing in part E, but they're both in the mm-hmm. same bill. So one of the big things that was uh, picking out in all these these uh, state laws was the idea that uh, transgendered persons would have to use the restroom uh, that is on their birth certificate. Otherwise, they would be violating the law. And that's a really uh, kind of LGBT activists really didn't like that because if you're look like a man and you're a man on your birth certificate, but you go into the women's restroom, it can be a whole thing. And the, but so there are a whole host of reasons that there's some that there's some stuff about uh, homosexuals not being able to adopt and the legality of marriage. So uh, basically a lot of the people who put these kind of bills forward and were trying to defend it. One of the things we're saying is, Hey, 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 if we can't discriminate against these people, who, according according to the Bible, we think are sinners, then that's a violation of my religious liberty. What are you going to tell me that, basically, the way it always is, you tell, like, a pastor he has to perform a homosexual marriage or you'll throw him in jail, <laughs> right. which has never happened, because that's not the way that works. Right. God's not dead three. God's not dead <laughs> Oh, Oh, that's not even a joke. That, it a, isn't a joke. This is a sad prophecy. Yeah. Wow, thanks, Jed. But that brings You're us, welcome! That brings us to our friend's question here, which is a good one, which is, if you hear our religious liberty is at stake, yep. that's serious, and religious liberty is kind of a, a good thing. It's something we want to keep up. But when it comes in this idea of it's couched as, sounds like these people just want an excuse to be mean— how do we deal with that? How do we unpack that? How do we kind of deal with people who are on that? Lee, why don't you start us off? Um, when you hear this kind of stuff, it's what we call propaganda. Yeah. Oh. Um, these are terms that are being used by Christians to discriminate against people and protect themselves from people that they don't like mm. under the guise of defending themselves from what they call religious persecution. Of course, none of these people are actually under any... <laughs> persecution for their religious beliefs in any way. The problem is that they have not yet realized that we live in a pluralistic society where people are free to have different choices than them. Mm. And that's a whole different thing than religious persecution. There are people who are being persecuted for their religion throughout the world. Uh, There are people who are being persecuted for other religions besides Christianity. But one of the things I think that is really important, and, and I love the way that Matt started this out, which is that uh, religious liberty is an important thing. It's a it's an American value. It's a value of a lot of countries around the world. But um, that that these people are using this term in a false way. And one thing that's important for us who believe in Jesus is that when you look at 
when you look at Jesus in the scriptures, when you look at his apostles, when you look at guys like Peter and Paul, what you find is that these guys, um, when you look at their words and their lives and the way that they handled uh, you know, the different situations that they went through, these are men who graciously accepted and loved and reached out to people who were different from them. Yes. They, they right. did not uh, try to protect themselves from people who were different. They did, not, uh, they did not try to discriminate against people who were different. And, uh, and, and, the, and they reached out to them with the love of God and with the good news of Jesus. These guys, uh, when you look at the lives of people like Jesus and Peter and Paul, they didn't stand on their rights at every turn, but they actually endured hatred, scorn, imprisonment, torture, death, and they did all that with courage. They did it with poise, with boldness, and forgiveness for their enemies. And the whole point of doing all of that in those ways was they were always seeking to reach out to people who were oppressed, disenfranchised, and they were able to go to to different kinds of groups and say, with, with a lot of credibility. I mean, they were able to uh, approach people who were different from them with respect, with uh, friendship, and all that kind of stuff, as people with a lot of credibility, because they had endured a lot. These guys did not stand on their rights. And, you know, basically, I, I, I kind of, I would love to see what this would be like, but if the Apostle Paul were given a special dispensation to come back and speak to the American evangelical, uh, you know, subset of human beings, just for like, just to give a five minute speech, just the, the, the amount of cages that would be rattled by such a speech would be absolutely unbelievable. But this is not the, uh, this is not the way believers look in in the uh, in the New Testament, and it's a sad thing, and it's a sad thing that they use this term, which is a which is a real and important and a good thing, as Matt said, to cover up something that's propagandistic discrimination and and hatred, really. What did he mean by "go all the way"? <laughs> that seems aggressive. <laughs> Don't even know what he meant by that. That's. A pretty deep Bible circumcision joke, folks. All right, but I think a lot of Lee really covered it well there. There's yeah, nice about, work. The, about the way this is couching something unpleasant. But I also would like us to get us to talk to him. Jed, maybe you can take this for us. There's a concept of religious liberty yep. that is good. Sure. It's, it's an American mm-hmm. ideal. It's it's a democratic ideal. It's very positive. It's not actually a biblical ideal. Sure. Like Really, no part of the Bible was written when uh, Christianity was legal. Yep. Right. <laughs> um, Christianity didn't become legal in the Roman Empire until, what, the 4th century, Constantine? Yeah, yeah. Constantine. So, you know, uh, everybody who wrote any part of the Bible was long dead by the time Christianity was not actively outlawed. Yep. So it's interesting that it kind of speaks to what what the people who are going on, as Lee accurately put it, propaganda, people putting that stuff out there. It kind of tells you what their priorities are and what they're afraid of when they yep. see something like this as a violation of religious liberty. Yep. So maybe you can unpack this idea for us of it's what what are people talking about when they say religious liberty? That's a great question. So religious liberty of course would mean the freedom to act out and live out one's religious beliefs or lack thereof. Or lack thereof without intervention um, and without uh, uh, problems from the governmental authorities. That's, that's what that phrase would mean, which, again, is an American ideal um, and, a, and a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually not in the Bible at all, yeah. at all. Um, but here's the thing is, in order for that to mean something, we kind of have to know what is your religion, right? Um, okay. if, you, if you want to be a Christian, then you're practicing the Christian religion. We know it's a relationship, not a religion. Save your emails. But... Um, <laughs> Christianity is a religion. You want the freedom to practice your religion. What is that religion? Let's turn to the Bible. Oh, that's an interesting Uh idea. I got a bad feeling about this one, folks. This comes from James, the first chapter, the 27th verse. When he says it like that, you know something's about to happen. And I quote, (laughs) Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this... Colon. I is it going to be really good exegetical preaching? Nope, not on the list. Is it going to mm. be like thoroughly propositional and doctrinally accurate? Nope. Stuff. I got it. I got it. Big statues of the Ten Commandments. Nope. 
Oh, I thought it was going to be. Mm, I, had a, I had a good feeling about that. Why don't you what, go and tell what, us what, what it could says. it be? <clears throat> to look after orphans and widows oh, in there's... their distress oh. and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, wait a second. Did, did, does that say in their dress? Because that's a different, that's a gender thing. With in the, their distress. Distress. Orphans. Yeah, the, they're in distress, oh, you know. No. And widows, regardless of their clothing right. or gender. Actually, right. let's, that's great. Let's get after it. Does it say to look after orphans and widows who are heteronormative? No. No, it does not say <laughs> right. that. Does it say to look after orphans and widows who are Christian too? No, no it does sure. not say that. Does it say to look after orphans and widows who are of the same demographics as you? No. No. Orphans and widows in their distress. Um, Jesus, of course, said the exact same things um, in Matthew 25 mm-hmm. uh, when he yeah. l- literally told people how the world would be judged. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that is the Christian religion. Mm. The, the Christian religion is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. So if the government were passing a law that was criminalizing that, they would be um, impinging on your religious liberty as a Christian. Right, right, um, right. And in fact, there have been moments that have looked that way. Mm-hmm. There, there was a movement that's a few years back. There's a very weird fringe movement in California that wanted to pass a super hardcore anti-immigrant law that would mm-hmm. actually criminalize assistance mm-hmm. to um, undocumented immigrants. And the cardinal of the Los Angeles Archdiocese instructed all the nuns, all the priests, everybody under his purview said, ignore the law. If they pass it, keep doing exactly what you're doing. That would be an impingement on your religious liberty. And you would be right to fight it. You'd be right to ignore it, to stand up for your faith. That, That is standing up for your religion. The Christian religion is not about hating gay people. It's not about hating transgendered people. It's, Mm -hmm. um, that's another religion that, that is not Christianity. And, um, say that dude, if you want to, to tell people I have this other religion, meism, it's where I make stuff up, Mm -hmm. but I I expect that to be constitutionally protected. Call your congressman. That's fine. Maybe you can make a play on that. Good luck with that. But if you're saying I, as a Christian, um, I want to live out my religion with liberty and freedom and not have the government get in my way. Start helping orphans and widows in their distress and let me know when the government stops you from doing that. Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. And Glenn, maybe I can get you to clean it up on this. There's also something here that, so religious liberty is a good thing. It's right. positive. It's American value. Um, what is not uh, guaranteed constitutionally, scripturally, anything is the right of Christian suburban Christians to be in the majority Right. On all things and get to call shots for like the way everybody else does things, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. We, one of the things we have to look at here with these motivations is, is that what people are trying to protect? Yes. Well, you know, one of the things I think that's key for, you know, I mean, we hear a certain amount of this stuff and roll our eyes and, 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 and mock it and, and, and we mock it because. It is you, to be mocked. Yeah. You, you either laugh or you cry. Yeah. So that's laughing right, is right. maybe better, but. It's important to understand where this comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Here's where this, if you track it, here's where this comes from. America, y'all, is a Christian nation. Super not oh, true. Founded on Christian principles. Super not true. Wow. And I learned that in not college. Yeah. Because <laughs> Thomas Jefferson didn't say that. John Adams didn't say that. George Washington didn't say it. But what did those guys know? Yeah. James Madison. Uh, yes. Uh, some of those guys you just mentioned were rewriting the Bible and cutting out all the miracles right. that Jesus did. Some of them so, literally put diplomatic documents. The United States is not a Christian nation. So, you know, uh, uh, but if you hear that and you believe that, then you think anything that's in the law that isn't also Christian, you think this is a breakdown in American and Christian values, mm-hmm. that, 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 yeah. that we're losing something important here. So let's boil it all down to this. The goal that you're talking about is legally using a legal means to stop people from sinning. Yep. There's a few problems with that. One, you can't. Yep. (laughs) They're going to just do it anyway. Two, if you could, what would that do? Yep. I mean, they would still find some sin somewhere to do. You're, they're not more Christian because they sin less. Yeah, right. 
I mean, that's a theological thing that I maybe, <laughs> I, I hope I don't have to break that down any further, but uh, Christians are Christians because we're saved by Jesus, not because we sin, uh, uh, we, we no longer sin and we don't have any sin in our life. So the idea of using legal means to kind of force people to live a more Christian-looking life without Christ is the most absurd waste of our time and energy I can think of, <laughs> and it's bullying. It's mean, yeah. as you as, yes. as, as that That's as you put right. in your question. It's a, it's a, I'm using my status as the majority culture to paint myself as a persecuted minority, and use that as leverage to persecute you as a minority, and say, I have the freedom, I'm free to do whatever I want, anytime I want, anywhere I want. And that this is not how society works. Yep. Uh, we, we decided, we all got together a, a long time back. We were, everybody was in a cave, you know? Yep. Then somebody said, let's let's have a society. And the other guy was like, well, what's what what's that? And the then, third guy said, this is weird, because English is not developed as a language yet. <laughs> right. And the, the other guy says, well, here's what we do is we all curb our behavior. We ran ourselves in a little bit. A little bit, so that we can get along with one another and not be jerk faces at each other all the time. And that allows us to cooperate. And get more done. And get more done. We can, we're, we can be stronger together. We can help each other out. I call it society. <laughs> right. It was a, that was a really cool idea that that caveman had. And it's been working great ever since. You cannot. Yeah, it's had hangs. Well, yeah. Out overall, <laughs> you can't. You cannot wake up and say, "I have freedom from God and from America that I can do anything I want anywhere." What you with can't no stop repercussions? Me. Yeah, this is not how life works, dude. So we had to we had to get away from that and recognize uh, exactly as Joe is saying. Our mission is not to stop people from sinning. Our our mission is to try and help them be acquainted with the person, works, and teaching of Jesus Christ. Yes. They might accept him into their Amen. life. And yes, if they do accept him into their heart and he comes into their life, they will sin less. So you'll get that part done if that's if that's your focus. But going at it the other way and saying, I'm going to make you, I'm going to force you to not sin, and that's going to be the perfect entry point for you to deciding to live <laughs> as a Christian, that is the craziest, nuttiest uh, nonsense I've ever, ever heard. That's not cool, you know. So there, there are extremes. There are, you know, points to where uh, we have to be able to rein this in and figure out how do we live together. That's absolutely right. One of the things we look at is, is there one of the defenses against this kind of stuff? And Lee's word propaganda is the absolutely right word. People trying to tell you that Jesus wants you to bully marginalized people in society is the craziest crap I've ever heard in my right. life. Yeah. If you've ever actually read the Bible. It's not right. Christianity. Yeah, right. it's not Christianity. If you read the Bible and you look at, well, you know, um, sex workers and, and outcasts and criminals, and, and you think that what Jesus would want is for people to be super mean to those people— you have your head firmly planted up your hind end. Yep. So right. we know why they are saying it. They want power. They want money. They want whatever. That's cool. They want the votes. Fine. Whatever. Why do people buy into it who claim to be Christian? And the answer overall is fear. And that's either a fear of yeah. demographic changes in America or fear of this, that, and the other. And the way you know that is the problem that they're, that they pitch you that they're solving with this propaganda is never a problem that's actually happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not, they try to make it up. It's not, we got transgender people using bathrooms and it's all evil. They say, well, what if right. there's yep. some dude who just goes into the women's room claiming to be transgender and we can't arrest him. It's illegal to harass someone in a bathroom already. So that's actually an insane argument. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what they're hoping is that they're going to find some otherwise reasonable parents who are really freaked out at the idea of something bad happening to their child, which is totally reasonable, totally normal, and they're going to overreact to this. Yep. Right. They're hoping by putting Christianity on top of it, they're going to get some people who 
kind of wish things were more Christian and that they were this wasn't on the TV and the video games, and they're going to get you to kind of relinquish all logic or sanctification or anything totally to the fear. Yep. So the way we as individuals can kind of bolster ourselves against this, first of all, is being informed. When you hear about a thing, you can it takes a pretty quick Google search to find out that zero, zero, none at all, transgender people have ever been arrested for... Nobody's ever been arrested for dressing up in drag and going into the women's room. Yep. Right. There have been a number of Republican senators arrested for stuff in bathrooms. That's something different. That's, That's completely different. different. And That's... for some reason, we don't have bills trying to keep them out of the bathrooms. But who's to say why? <laughs> That's a joke I stole from everybody on Twitter, but it makes me happy. But the thing is, A, you can be informed. But B is... You can look at the things yourself and say, what are the, where am I easy to pray? Where am I easy to wind up? Where am I easy mm. to get scared? And let's get the Lord to start talking That's about good. those things. Am I worried about being? Let's play this out. Let's say, you know, Christianity is outlawed tomorrow. That would suck, but Christ, people are Christian in, in places that Christianity is outlawed all right. the time. Am I afraid that I'm not Christian enough to exist in an environment where it's not totally the norm? That's a worthwhile thing to look at. We can grow in that, and that's all good stuff. So we, we like the questions about this stuff. We try not to talk super political stuff on the on the show. So if you want particular rundowns of HB 227, it's, this is not the place for you. But they're very real theological and kind of Christian life underpinnings on things. We love talking that stuff. So if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com, or tell you the song this week. This is Miss Christy Younger with her version of the Ooh, fantastic yeah. hymn, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. It doesn't have any particular thematic tie. I just really like this song, and I get to pick the songs. So deal with that. We're going to take out that. Thanks Ooh. for listening. We love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. This summer, Professor Zombie Hercules and his secular humanism meets his <laughs> ultimate match with explosive theological propositions. <laughs> Good night. Why can't wash away my sin? Why can't make me whole the